Well, good morning. It's really good to be back. Um, yeah, sit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sure, you know it's time to sit, isn't it? Um, it's wonderful to be back. It's good to see so many faces that uh, we know and love. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was excited when Dave rang to say, "Do you want to come along?" Uh, and particularly for both Lou and I to be able to speak, that's really exciting. Um, so it's good to be back. Now, Dave, can I have my... There. Oop, it was there, then it disappeared. Oh, there it is. It's back again. That's nice to see. Good. All right, I'm going to talk today about the problem of language. Because sometimes it causes problems. Now, I, you'll notice now, I haven't always... I've tried to use images from Lou's book. And this one I really like. This is by Amari Chakuri. And uh, it's all the nations coming to Calvary. I love that look. You see all the different feet, different colours, aren't there? Quite wonderful. Now, Lou knows better than me, but I'm going to try and tell you some information that I might get wrong. But we know that before white people came to Australia, there were at least 250 uh, languages throughout Australia. That's quite a few, isn't it? Uh, Nowadays, sadly, there's only just over 100 left that are still spoken, and many of them endangered, only spoken by very small amounts. Um, So we've got a really language-diverse nation just with the Indigenous people, haven't we? There is one place on Earth that has more languages. Does anyone know where that is? I know you know, so I'm not (laughs) going to ask you. No? It's a good guess, and India has quite a few, but has large blocks of language. It's quite surprising. It's Papua New Guinea. They have close to 900 languages, separate languages. For such a small place, that's ridiculous, isn't it? I go there. I've actually been to Papua New Guinea quite a few times, and I, and I see how the language works. I've had to preach with a translator, and it's quite a bizarre situation. You, know, you sort of preach something, and then you wait for them to say something, and you sort of just stand there waiting, and often it takes ages. To get, it, to get what needs to be said done. So it's quite fascinating. Um, I've actually even preached with a translator here in Australia, sort of. Uh, we were in uh, the Pitjantjara lands, a place called Fregon. Uh, Lou and I and a team from the valley, so there'd be some of them here that know about that. I'm trying to think, other than my family, did anyone here go there? I'm trying to think. I'm not certain if they came with us on that trip. That's all right. Uh, and we had a group there, and quite a funny thing happened. What we would do, I would read from the scripture, and then an uh, Aboriginal minister who was there, he would read from their scripture after us. And so I would read my bit, and I'd say whatever verse we were looking at. And it had to be a small amount, because when you translate to Pitanjara, it takes ages to say whatever we say in English. And so he would sit there and he'd be sitting there for quite some time just listening to him do his piece reading from the scripture. And uh, this one night we were doing that and I said my little bit and then I sort of stood back and waited. And he starts reading. And he thought, oh, I think he's sta- I'm thinking he's starting to read. And he's speaking. He's speaking for quite a long time. It's going on a little longer than usual. Then suddenly someone runs up with some glasses for him. He puts his glasses on and then he starts reading. What he was actually saying, and I've learned from our friend Dean who lived there and understood Pitanjara, he was just standing there saying, 
The light's really bad here. I can't read a word on this page. Can someone get me my glasses, please? (laughs) And I'm just sitting there reverently listening to him say this thing. See, the problem with language is you don't have a clue what the other person's saying, do you? Makes it really hard. You know, it, it was quite a funny thing, you know, to... And I was, I was sort of just eyes closed, just obviously God speaking, as Lou was saying about when they speak in their language, they speak really passionately. That's what I thought he was doing, but obviously he wasn't. Um, (laughs) So there is a problem with language, isn't there? Now, interestingly, that problem is God made. You know that? It is, isn't it? It's God made. So we're going to look at how that came about. So let's click on. Here we go. Going to start... With Genesis 11, verse 1 to 9. I might use that. It's better than reading it off my little thing, isn't it? That is better. I'll do that. Genesis 11, 1 to 9 says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. That would be much easier, wouldn't it? It would be much easier. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they, then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. I love the way that sort of talks there. I, in my image of this, it's sort of like, you know when your kids make something and they say, Come and have a look. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it, the way it's read there. And I was reading that and I thought, it's just like that. I don't know, I get that with, you know, my, my kids will do something. Benny made something with uh, Lego the other day and quick, Dad, look at look what I've made, you know, that sort of thing. Feels like that, doesn't it? So, so far, it doesn't seem to be much wrong, does there? It doesn't seem to be. So we'll see what, what happens next. See. So then the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. It's interesting, isn't it? I always felt sorry. As a kid reading that story, I felt sorry for the people of Babel. Man, you're building this building. You think, this is great. We're all together. Isn't this good? We're unified. Don't we want unity? Isn't that good? And then God says, no, you're not doing that. I'm going to confuse you. It seemed a bit cruel to me. So the question that comes to me fairly... I think come to me fairly easy, is what went wrong at Babel? What was wrong with what they did? What was wrong? Does anyone have any ideas what you think was wrong? Well, you could look at it. They're making a name for themselves, aren't they? It's possible. Yeah. Anything else you think was wrong there? Ah, that's an important one, isn't it? What's that, Sorry. They want to be as high as heaven. That's possibly there, isn't it, too? Yeah. It's interesting. We can come to a whole lot of things, can't we, from it? You know the frustrating thing? And Scripture does this all the time. It doesn't tell us. It tells us nothing. 
And, and that's frustrating, isn't it? I think, come on, tell us what's wrong. Tell us why they did wrong. But it doesn't. The only thing we sort of hint we get is in this little piece here. It says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. So somewhere in that is an idea that this is bad. We don't sort of get why that it's bad, but there's some idea there. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Doesn't explain why that's bad, does it? Just says it. Now there is something in there, and some people have said, you know, it's because they weren't spreading out as they were meant to be, because they were given the command to spread over the earth. Now that's possibly there too. And when you look at, you do sort of what they call exegesis, when you look into a verse and find out what, what's going on, you do look at other verses, don't you? That's possibly there, but I think in here is sort of a key, isn't it? So really, I think God doesn't want the people to unite and grow strong. That's what you can, all you can get from the scripture, isn't it? Some bit of me says, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> I don't know about you, but to me, a little bit of it goes, oh, I don't know if that's a very nice thing to do, God. Why are you doing that? Well, that, that can be true, can't it? But I wonder if that was God's final plan. So we're going to see a little bit of this coming out. You see, Scripture doesn't end at Babel, does it? No. We know a lot more happens. And actually, in the Bible, is what I call an anti-Babel. There's a bit of the Bible where Babel is undone. It's quite fascinating. Did you know that? David knows because I talked to him about it earlier. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. We're going to have a look at the anti-Babel. All right, let's have a look. Now, this is a picture, Tongues of Fire by Numity Burton. Might give you a hint as to what it is. What do you think it is then? Pentecost. I'm hearing Pentecost. That's good. Yes, we're going to read about Pentecost. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, it says... When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now I don't think they were quite that. It's speaking as nations that they all knew, wasn't it? Because I don't think there are any indigenous Australians there. Anyway, we'll just let that pass a little bit. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Isn't that fascinating? And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not these all who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Now, I've skipped a bit here because then it says all these native languages and it's got a list of them and I didn't want to read the list. It's a bit tricky, some of them. Anyway, and I laugh at it. says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Isn't that amazing? You know, we as Pentecostals are pretty, are pretty good at sort of this area of Scripture because this is the start of Pentecostalism, surely, isn't it? But interestingly, I think sometimes we concentrate too much on the fact that they spoke in tongues. I don't think the miracle that happened here is them speaking in tongues. 
Okay, says Dave. He's interested. He's going, hmm, hmm. I don't think that's the miracle that happened here. I think the miracle is that everyone understood what they were saying in their own language. That's the real miracle, isn't it? Yes, this is the beginning of speaking in tongues and all that sort of stuff. But, can I say, I've never done this, personally. I've spoken in tongues for 20-something years. But I've never had this happen. This is pretty cool, isn't it? I've heard of people doing this sort of thing. Uh, But to me, that's the great miracle here. And I love, and Lou brought this out, that, you know, when talked about that heart language idea. When you hear God speak in the language that you know that's in your heart. You know, for me, that's English. It's sort of, and you hear it all the time in English. I don't get it as much, but I know for those that English isn't their first language, to hear God speak in their language, that touches the heart. And here God knows that. He brings all the people together and he says, here, I'm going to speak in your language to your heart. That's quite an amazing miracle, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. So what I want to briefly do, I want to just have a look at Babel versus Pentecost. How's it work? So we're going to look at a little bit of look at Babel and then a bit of a look at Pentecost and say, how do they fit together? And why do I call it the anti-Babel? I think it's pretty good. All right, in Babel, we have the people coming and they don't spread out, do they? They'll say, let's just hang out together and create this thing. In Pentecost, interestingly, we have the exact opposite. We have people that are actually from all over the world coming to this place, haven't we? So it's interesting that they've sort of, God sort of turned it around in that sense. The first one, everyone's speaking the same language, they're all there in one place. Now, it's actually the whole world coming. Here the people build a tower. Did the people build a tower at Pentecost or anything happen like that? Well, interestingly... I think God's building something at, at Pentecost. Pentecost is the birth of the church, isn't it? So God builds his church. This is the start of the church, and the church is God's building. That's one of those ideas through the New Testament, isn't it? That we are his building. In Babel, obviously, different languages come, don't they? And I love the fact that in Pentecost, it was just tongues, wasn't it? And in Babel, the people can't understand each other. In Pentecost, the people hear God's praises in their own language. You can see here God undoing sort of what he did at Babel, doesn't he? He undoes the mess that Babel created. I look at Babel and really it creates wars and many things, doesn't it? The fact that we don't speak the same language, the fact that there's all this mistrust misunderstanding of each other. It's created a lot of mayhem, hasn't it? Now, a lot of that is the heart of man creating. That isn't the heart of people. But in Pentecost, God says, actually, I'm going to undo that. I'm going to bring it back. And do the exact opposite. Yes, Lou. That's very true. And I wasn't going to say that, so well said. Lou said it at... At Babel, as someone said, they were trying to make a name for themselves. At Pentecost, God's name is praised, isn't it? Very different. Mm. So, we're nearly at the end, aren't we? Just one more slide. I like this one. This is another Pentecost by, I can't read the name there, Veronica Lulu. 
uh, a story of Pentecost and I love the idea that the Spirit comes down and falls on the people. So what's the difference between the two? What is really happening here? And I think, you know, when I look at that question early, we ask the question, you know, is God, in a sense, I ask the question, is God mean in doing what he did at Babel? Well, no. I think, actually, God actually always planned to unite humanity, didn't he? He didn't plan to divide humanity. He didn't want to split us up. He actually wanted to unite us. But what's the problem? Well, actually, the problem is he wanted to unite humanity with himself. A vastly different idea, isn't it? That God's desire has always been to unite humanity with himself. Babel speaks of humanity united without God. Humanity working at things, working really hard, making something great. And look, humanity can do that. But when it's without God, it's just not good enough, is it? It's not enough. In fact, it's just going to cause trouble. And that's God's problem at the beginning. He says, yeah, actually, you've got sort of the right idea, guys, but you're missing something. You're missing me. You're missing the heart of God. And that's what's at issue today. You know, we talked about languages. And I love the fact that, you know, with Lou's work, she's spreading the gospel to different languages. And one thing that Lou often says to me and talks about when she does her little talks, which she didn't say today, so good I get to say this, um, she talks about that when she meets the artists, you know, they speak a different language. And quite a few of them from really remote places don't speak English very well at all. Uh, but they're all the same with her. We're all one with her. We're all one because Jesus is the centre. And I love that fact. We can all be one because he's the centre. So today, in short because we're late, aren't we? First question for you, are you united with Christ? Are you with God? That's always the question we need to ask, isn't it? Because that's the answer to all things. Are you united with him? The second thing I think really important, are you doing what Babel was, the people at Babel were doing? Are you working at your own plans? Are you trying your own stuff? Or are you working at his plans? One of the things I find really interesting when I look at Babel, they had their plans and God frustrated them, didn't he? He frustrated their plans and they just couldn't get them done. Have you ever had that where God has frustrated your plans? I've had that plenty of times. (laughs) Plenty of times I go, all right, what are you trying to say, Lord? What are you trying to say? And so often I realise, actually, I'm not where I should be. I'm not actually doing what I should be doing. I'm actually doing my own stuff and not Lord's. And that, I think, is the real challenge today for us. You know? I'd love you to get involved in, in all the stuff Lou's doing and get involved in reaching the nations, that's certainly there. But today the question is, are you involved in God's plan? Are the plans you have his plans for you? Or are they your own? God's calling you today to come back to him, to his plans. Let's pray. Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are such 
a good God, that even though sometimes it looks like you're not doing good, sometimes in our lives it feels like you're just frustrating our plans, Lord, help us to realise that your plan is so much better, that your desire for us is so much better. Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts now, you would show us, Show us areas that we need to know where we need to actually give our plans over to you. That you will do greater things because your plan is to unite all of us with you. That together we will be united in you. Lord, I pray, bless this congregation that they may see your kingdom come here. Bless us that we may see your work be done as we give ourselves over to you. Mm. Amen. Amen.